Welcome to the Tabletop Sportcast with your host, James Cast. This podcast is dedicated to my favorite hobby, tabletop sports. I'll review games in my collection, discuss how I approach different projects, and even recap the latest games from my tabletop. Have questions, thoughts, or feedback? Feel free to reach out to me at tabletopsportcast at gmail.com. Today is October 10th, and my episode today is going to be just a brief history of my gaming, tabletop gaming, throughout the years. Thanks for listening. Before we get into today's topic, let's just do a quick recap. It's Sunday, so I want to give you a quick recap of things that have been going on my tabletop for the past week. Looking back to last week, the week started with my first game in the Commissioner Surprise Tournament for Play Games. Uh, this was something I did a specific podcast around, so I won't go into a lot of details, but Hockey Blast. I played the New York Rangers at St. Louis Blues and saw the Rangers win that game 4 to nothing. And you can listen to a more detailed recap of that game in a previous episode. Then continuing on, I, another cooperative event that's going on right now with in the play games community is the 2021 play tour. I played my two rounds at the Cape kidnappers golf club. Didn't really do that well, very consistent play, but ended up shooting one over par both rounds, both rounds saw me shooting um, basically even par in the front and one over on the back nine. So finished the tournament at plus two, well out of contention. Not really a a factor for that one. Next up, I had Legends of Boxing. Brought out Legends of Boxing for the two bouts scheduled for this month. The first was the lightweight division championship. Julio Cesar Chavez was right now the uh, current champion. He took on Henry Armstrong. It was a great bout. a lot of back and forth, but pretty much dominated by Chavez. He was able to land punch after punch through most of the round. Um, he actually got Armstrong very quickly into his TKO points, but just never got like that knockout blow where he won a round by a lot or just were able to, was able to put him away. But an easy, decisive win. He wins by unanimous decision and retains the belt. Then in the cruiserweight division... The current champion, James Tony took on Juan Carlos Gomez. Uh, again, a good early back and forth, but Tony just continued to land more punches than Gomez. And finally, Tony was able to retain the belt with an eighth round TKO of Gomez. I then brought Hockey Blast back to the table. My, my goal for the month of October is to finish off my... King of the Ice Mountain Tournament. I have two games left to play. So this game featured the all-time great St. Louis Blues taking on the all-time great Toronto Maple Leafs. The Blues, who were currently the kings of the Ice Mountain, looked good early on. Uh, In fact, they went into the final minute with a 2-1 lead, but the Maple Leafs ended up scoring back-to-back goals in that final minute and pulled out victory. So the Maple Leafs will go into the final game of the King of the Ice Mountain Tournament 
to take on the Buffalo Sabres. Uh, so again, Maple Leafs win the game three to two. Next, they took out Demo Derby Smashdown. This is a game from Play Now, and I've been running my 2021 season. So right now I run about 12 drivers. We're going to run 12 events. So this was race number three, and the action ended up with just, when it was down to just two cars, it was Donna Torville and taking on Travis Baltzell. So Baltzell had the advantage. He went for the move. He actually performed a hubcap slap on Torville, gave her some damage, but in the process, he ended up losing out on one of his moves, and it was the third strike basically for that one move, and that killed his car out. So despite him delivering a hit that didn't quite knock out Torval, he ended up losing because he couldn't get his car to restart. So that was it for Baltzell. Donna Torval takes the win in race number three. Uh, next game that came out, Face to the Mat. So I brought Face to the Mat by Play Games out. And I've been running a season with the uh, – there's a free set that somebody had offered on our Play community with classic WWF superstars on it. So I've been running that. This is one of the few ones I don't put on my website just because of all the licensing things that you can run into with the, um, the classic WWF stars. So – what I've been doing is basically running like my weekly show and I just run like the old superstars of wrestling format. So I basically have um, a bunch of matches. Sometimes it's a women's match some it's a tag match, some singles matches, like up to three interviews. Uh, so one of the ones I do is like the brother love show. And um, up until recently I've had like, Jesse Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon holding interviews with different wrestlers. And then, of course, there's like a main event match, and that's usually the big one. But sometimes there's some grudge matches that carry over from the previous shows and everything. So interestingly enough, in this one, Gorilla Monsoon was fired from his interview role. So he's going to join the, the general pack of wrestlers now. And it was actually Nikolai Volkov who took over his spot. So he's going to be one of the new interviewees, which will be interesting to see. And the main event featured Hulk Hogan taking on Boris Zukov and Hogan was able to win that main event. But at the end of it, Zukov demanded a grudge rematch. So they are going to face off in like our big pay-per-view event next time. Um, Cause I do have a pay-per-view event at the end of every like four or five shows. So Hogan and Zukov will face off at the pay-per-view in a grudge rematch challenge. Then I brought History Maker Golf out again. This time I was going with one of my projects. I've been running another project called the with the 2000 Star Set uh, called the Final Foursome. And basically running like a tournament style where I did eight different um, foursomes at different courses. And the winners of each of those have advanced to like the semifinals. So I actually had the first of the two semifinals. This took place at the Baltus Roll Golf Club, uh, one of the um, spinoff names that Play Games uses for their courses. This match featured uh, Lee Westwood, Ernie Els, VJ Singh, and Phil Mickelson, who had all previously won their events. Mickelson ended up taking the the foursome, he, he shot a 67. It was a par 70 course. He ended up shooting a 67. 
He actually delivered three birdies between holes um, 11 and 14. Other than that, he basically shot par in every single hole. So he didn't have a, he had a bogey free round, ends up going three under. That was enough to take down Westwood. Westwood had actually led after nine. He was up a stroke on Mickelson, but he went back and forth. He had, he actually had more birdies. He had five birdies in his round, but he also had a bunch of bogeys. So Westwood finishes at 69, one under. Ells made a tremendous comeback. It just, he had a messy round, but he actually birdied the final three holes to get himself back to 71, one over. And Singh just struggled making birdie putts, uh, missed most of his birdie putts, and he finished also at 71. So Mickelson will advance to the final match play tournament, which is going to take place at Augusta National. And we should see the next semifinal next month. And then finally, yesterday, you knocked out a couple of games using fast drive football. I've been doing the 1990 NFL season replay, taking this on a team-by-team approach. So the team I am trying to complete this month is the Los Angeles Rams. So I got through their first four games in two different sessions. Uh, the f- Week one, they were at Green Bay, and Green Bay shut them out 33 to nothing. Week two, they traveled to Tampa Bay and fell to Tampa Bay 23 to 10. And week three, they hosted the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, finally, the Rams offense got going, but they ended up losing to the Eagles 38 to 28. They had a bye week in week four, and then in week five, they hosted the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Rams won that game 31-27, to and the Bengals have just been a mess so far to start the season. I think that puts them at 0-3, maybe 1-3 maybe for the season so far, so they're having a tough start to their season. And that's it. That's my weekly recap for the tabletop. So what I wanted to do today was just basically give a quick quick history of my experiences with tabletop gaming, especially around sports gaming, and hopefully give a little insight into like where I am in this journey and how I got here. Um, So my journey started probably, I think I was seven or eight, Um, went to the baseball hall of fame in Cooperstown and you know, just mesmerized. I was really into sports at the time, you know, trading baseball cards, all that kind of stuff. And this was like, you know, late seventies. And I found a game there. It was a tabletop game. I don't remember the name of it. It was a very basic game. It was definitely a game, not any kind of like simulation or anything like that, but it was basically a game. And what you would do is you had markers for all the different players in the field and the base runners and the batter, you would roll three dice and then you would find where that was on the field. And, and it would basically then be moving everybody, you know, so like throws went so fast, runners went so fast, um, but you actually had to move everybody. You had to set up the cutoff man and all kinds of stuff, right? So it was really interesting and it helped me learn little bit of the strategy behind baseball, even though it was completely fictitious, there was nothing else to it other than knowing like after a while would learn like certain numbers were going to be better opportunities for hits. Um, You could defensively set up players anywhere you wanted to. And there were some logical places where there were 
groupings, like in the outfield, for instance, it would be like a grouping of numbers that would allow you to kind of center because there was a certain range around the player, like each marker that they would get like the automatic flyouts for too. So that was one of my first games. Then when I was, I think I was around 10, uh, we, for Christmas every year, our family would do like a big kind of grab bag event. And uh, my uncle at the time uh, decided to get me these status pro baseball. It was the first time I had gotten like a real simulation game. And that one just kind of opened my eyes to like what was possible. I would play out games with that. That was, you know, the first time of really understanding like that this was almost like bringing my baseball cards to life. Right. So this was a big moment in time for me. It also helped me, like I always say, like it was great for my math skills. Uh, I became very good at math after that and probably as I was doing that because of calculating all the stats and batting averages and everything like that, ERAs, um, having to perform, perform those basic calculations and I was doing everything by hand, right? Uh, so I think I ended up getting two sets of cards for Status Pro Baseball. And once I, that that uncle, once my uncle had realized that I was into that game, he actually had some other games in his collection that he introduced me to as I was going through my teenage years. So around that time, it was mostly around those Sports Illustrated, like Avalon Hill type games. So he introduced me to Pay Dirt and Bullbound, uh, both that he had in his collection. And then I also found and purchased another game, Superstar Baseball, another Avalon Hill title. So baseball, is, as you're going to hear, was pretty much at the center of my gaming universe for most of the time. But I tried to get other games as I could. I just didn't really know a lot of them that were out there. So it's centered for me mostly around that. I think when I was around 16 or so, I then got Status Pro Football. And that became like my next football game. And I played parts of seasons with that. Like as the, at this age, between the ages of like... 10 and 16, there was never a time where I actually made it through like an actual replay or anything. I would play several games here and there. I think the most I ever got done with like superstar baseball was maybe like a 10 game season or something. So I kept it really simple there. As I got into college, um, I played every now and again a little bit, but most of the time I started moving towards computer games. And I would say there was a good decade there where some tabletop games got put to the wayside unless I just couldn't find like the computer version of it. So obviously it was got drawn in by things like APA baseball for windows and out of the park and micro league baseball. There's these are all games that I started to find and resonate with because I was able to get a lot more of a season completed using these computer games, especially around baseball and then football. Also um, I remember that probably in my early thirties, being introduced to like action PC football. The other advantage to some of these computer games was it allowed me to connect with a community online. So there were lots of leagues that I took part in for baseball for windows and for um, the action PC football helped me to connect to a larger community and, you know, kind of expand on that gaming experience. But also along around that time, I started the internet also allowed me to gain access to other games and board games that maybe I wouldn't have had access to originally. So 
going back to that time frame is when I got introduced to things like Legends of Boxing. Um, and I can remember like downloading tons of games and pieces of games from sites like tabletopsports.com and um, and Yahoo had groups for different games. So Legends of Boxing was something I got introduced to. Title Bout, I was playing around with both of those like in my late 20s, early 30s. I also started picking up, that's when I found a copy of Decathlon. And at the time I was a track and field coach. So that was something that appealed to me. And I got that game. Um, Status Pro Basketball finally got introduced to that game. You know, again, being able to find bits and pieces of the game and free downloads, uh, even some of them being paid downloads and, and buying them that way. And it was probably about 10 years or so ago that I was, again, looking for different games to be taken part on. I was starting to build a little bit of a collection for different games that I had had traditionally in my collection. When somebody introduced me, you know, I found, I think I actually found it on like one of the uh, Delphi forums at one point, but somebody was putting, uh, trying to find managers for an, uh, like an, uh, a phone play by phone status pro spinoff game. And this was the uh, great American fantasy league. It was called gaffle. Uh, and they had done a really nice job of expanding the rule base for status pro baseball to make it more intricate. And we had like a franchise great kind of team. So at the time I got the team that they had open was the Florida Marlins. So I had this all time great Florida Marlins team and, and it would take us like we would play a game a week and it would take about four years to get through a full season. But we did, we got through a, like a full 162 game season. I think I joined them in the middle of what would end up being the last year of that franchise great season. I think I played for three years with that. And then we tried to do a spinoff league with like a Hall of Fame league. And that just ran into troubles right out of the gate, which was really difficult to get it running. We only made it about 40 games into it about until it really just folded and everybody went their separate ways. But during that time, one of the guys in the league um, introduced me to a new baseball, baseball game. He said, hey, you know, you should really check out this History Maker Baseball and you'll notice like most of what I focus on now is from play games and history maker baseball was kind of like my intro to that play games community. So there's a couple fronts here for play games and why they've started to really dominate um, what I do on my tabletop. One is they introduced me to a whole new world of how to experience my tabletop, which was not just trying to do the recreation of simulations, but actually to bring some of the gaming aspect and feel like I could actually see how a season unfolded a little bit more without having to completely fictionalize all the goings on. Like there was, there was a story that develops with their games. There was also a great community around these games. Um, I don't really participate as much in the Delphi forums, although they're expansive and the amount of people that can participate in that is huge. Um, I, I am much more focused on the Facebook community and it's robust. Like there's people on there pretty much multiple times a day, just posting things and asking questions and sharing ideas and homebrewed rules or charts, like all kinds of things that are going on. Um, including like, you know, the 
you know, Keith and Sam Avalon, who like run the run play games are, are like encourage people to create free sets at time. So like there's also like lots of material being shared. Um, and then the other piece of play games that again, this is like was a first for the most part for me, although I have found some other game designers who are now I'm realizing are also in that smaller bucket of small small time, I'll say. Um, not the big mega companies trying to produce board games, but the customer service that Keith and Sam provide and some others that are in the um, the the sports game community, just astounding, right? And I think because of that, like you keep running back to that over and over again. So most of the games that I have now are dominated by play games. Um, and it's it's because I can do some of the, the simulation of the games, but also get that storyline effect to it. Now they don't have every sport and they don't have, um, and I'm not into like every single game that they produce at this point in time, but it helps meet a large portion of my needs. So, you know, for instance, Superstar Baseball and Status Pro Baseball are just games that I've kind of shelved for a while and History Maker Baseball has replaced those. And I've moved away from things like the action PCs. I mean, I pretty much don't play any computer games anymore at all but I moved away from things like action PC football and I've moved away from status pro football and pay dirt and all those kinds of games in favor of like second season. Um, and, you know, I've, they don't have a boxing game with play games, but you know, Gary Brown's uh, stone mountain press, the legends of boxing is a big game for me. And, and that's, that one out over title bout. And I would say Gary's from what I've heard, and I haven't had as much experience with him, but he seems to be in that same mode of providing great customer service as well. So give a good shout out to him as well. But there's still games that, you know, what I've tried to do now is I continue to try to build this large universe of games. And I, you know, one of the reasons I got into like really doing a lot of project planning over a year ago was, this desire that I've had since I was a teenager of wanting to create just this whole universe that I was in control of on my tabletop. And there were definitely times where I thought about like, you know, is it all fictional or is it all just, you know, my teams, like I'll take like real players and organize them into the teams that I want them to be on. And, you know, maybe keep it a smaller group. Maybe, maybe it's not a 32 team league maybe it's only a 12 team league um you know because you want to have that control but every time i tried to set up those kind of fictional universes i realized like what i really like to do more is like the historical replays where i can or maybe historical replays with a little bit of a spin right so that's where i think i've landed in the past two years of trying to organize my gaming projects is keep it fluid, keep a lot of different sports on the table, but most of it's going to be centered around kind of historical replays. And, and that's really where I'm at. And because of companies like play games that offer so many different titles and being able to mix in and add to that collection with other gaming companies who cover slightly different things. Um, I've been able to build like this, you know, universe where I basically have like, 
22 different sports games that make it to my table. Maybe not every month, but over the course of like a month or two, like we generally will see those games make it to the table. Um, And it runs from things like, you know, wrestling and that decathlon game and auto racing and um, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, uh, you know, just baseball, of course. Um, So it just kind of runs the gamut that way. Where I see myself going now is continuing to add to the collection, trying to find different games that will satisfy different needs that help fill a gap in my tabletop universe and also explore like some of the other game companies to understand like some of these like spin-off games or uh, maybe not even spin-off is the right word, but alternate sports, you know, universe type thing. So uh, for instance, uh, Play Games has, or Play Now has the two Fury games, Fury Football and Fury Hardball. And both of those are really good. They're fun. They're kind of like baseball and football, but they are different in their own ways because it's not exactly the same experience. Um, when I was at the Play.com, you know, I was introduced to Grid Zone by a couple of folks, and that's a game by Stone Mountain Press that I am looking forward to getting soon. Um, he's getting ready to reopen his shop, and I will probably be making that one of my first purchases. Uh, and then I almost want to, you know, try some different types of games as I think about like what the future might hold. Um, you know, one of the games that I've been doing a lot of research on is like Book It. It's a card base, a deck building kind of game. Uh, so not really cards and dice as much as just like a card, you know, deck building kind of game. And there's a lot of intrigue in that. Um, and, and then probably a future episode, I'll talk a little bit about the idea of like fiction versus historical and, and where I can see that fitting more into my gaming journey. But, you know, and, and I talked about this in a recent podcast too, but you know, one of the things I also want to do is continue to figure out how to share this experience with others. And while I enjoy the solitaire tabletop gaming experience, I definitely want to continue to figure out ways to connect with others and bring cooperative events to my tabletop that I can share with a larger community. And and that's been something that I'm starting to focus on. It's one of the reasons this podcast came to play and why I've done things like the, you know, the recent um, 2000 Football America uh, season replay where I'd set that up as a cooperative event because I really do want to continue to find ways to share this with the larger community. So I think that gives a quick recap like of where I've been. You can you can basically tell like baseball has been front and center throughout the history of my kind of tabletop gaming uh, experience. And no surprise, like baseball, then football, and then other sports followed. And, you know, like anybody else, I'm sure I have games that are in my closet that will probably rarely, if ever, make it back to the tabletop because they just don't fill the need the same way that other games do. And, you know, so yes, I've got two hockey games and yes, I've got three or four baseball games, but I just don't see those necessarily making it to the table as often anymore. And that doesn't mean that there's not room for more improvement and and other games that might make it to the table and top in a different way. So I'm looking forward to seeing what newer games are on the horizon and I'll keep searching and looking for 
either classic games that I missed or new games that pop up on the horizon to see how they continue to fit the need. All right. That's it for this week and appreciate and thanks for listening. Again, something new I'm trying is to finish off each episode with a quick recommendation. So this episode what I'd like to recommend to everyone is um, go to Bob's Tabletop Sports. It's a YouTube channel. I'll put a couple of links to a couple, some of his episodes in the description. So Bob had done a couple of videos to talk about how he goes about creating custom cards for History Maker Baseball using a program called Affinity Publisher. Uh, really good detailed view on, on what works, what doesn't work in terms of creating cards. Um, and it's a good supplement to some earlier series that he had done on card creation. But I would highly recommend just kind of watching those and especially if you have any interest in making your own cards. And, and while this is focused on history maker baseball, I think the techniques that he uses could be applied to just about any sport. And again, when we talked about things like that immersion effect and, you know, making a tabletop your own, like sometimes those custom cards can be a big piece of the experience for you. So go out and I'll put the links to a couple of episodes of his on how he was working with affinity publisher in the description and go check it out. Thanks.